One, Episode 13 of the Clarity Podcast. My name is Aaron Santamire, and I will be your host. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. Each episode, I will be having a transparent conversation with people who care about you and desire for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resiliency, and confidence is lack of clarity. I believe that the transparent conversations we will be having and the life stories we will be hearing will be invaluable for both you and I. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Nancy Rotz and discuss um, the growth area of leadership intelligence. And Nancy is a missionary that has served um, in Moldova and then in Russia. Uh, we went back, uh, went through school missions and when it was called school missions and PFO um, way back in the day together. And um, just thought it'd be great to sit down with her and get her perspective and insight. She has, um, we'll talk about her moving to Moldova and the transition and a family of the transition that that was, and then also what that looked like um, now as she's in a different season of life where she has a daughter getting ready to graduate from high school, and then a daughter in college, and then a, a daughter who's married, and and weighing and looking at that and what that looks like in prioritization of schedule. We talk about um, how her husband Andy helped her, uh, and they worked together as a team on, the, on in Moldova as far as ministry, because Nancy was very actively involved in ministry there, and what that, what that looked like, and um, she'll give some some wisdom and insight for that. And so this is a great interview, and um, I think you're, you'll want to take notes. We appreciate um, honest, transparent conversations, and that's what we're having today with, with Nancy. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings. It's so exciting to be here today um, with a friend that I went through um, missionary training with a long time ago. Um, that's saying I'm old, not she's old, um, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> and Nancy, it's so exciting to have this opportunity to have with you on the Clarity Podcast. Would you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your family for our listeners, maybe who do not know you or have not met you in the past? Yeah. Oh, it's so fun to be with you today. This is really um, a great opportunity for me and um, just fun, just really fun to be here with you. Um, I'm Nancy and um, I have, I'm married yeah. to Andy almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years in April. Congratulations. So Hard to believe that we're at that point. I have um, a daughter who married last summer and uh, Alyssa and she um, has an amazing husband, Levi, and um, they live in Alaska, so a long ways from us. Wow. And then I have one daughter who's a sophomore in college and a daughter who is a senior in high school, wow. about Goodness. three months away from graduating. Wow. Yeah, that's an exciting time of life for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ministry-wise, Nancy, you started off. Did you go straight into missions, or what was your what was your ministry profile before you got into missions? Before we met. So yeah, no, um, we Andy and I met at Bible College, but I didn't complete my degree at Bible College. I went on to the University of Minnesota, and um, we married shortly after I graduated. Um, actually, he was already a youth pastor at that point in Northern Minnesota. Um, we were there a few years, 
the church was struggling to pay us. And so we found a new job, went out to Montana. Um, and to us, moving from Minnesota to Montana was like this really big adventure. I remember us saying, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can go back. Uh, little did we know it was us learning to um, spread our wings, uh, be a couple together, move together. Uh, we were youth pastors at another church for like four years. And then we felt like it was time to senior pastor. And so we senior pastored in a, in a little town of a thousand people. It's a great group growth in the church we were at. It was fun and it was hard years, but it was good years. That's where um, our kids were all born in Montana. And it was while we were there that God began to speak to our hearts that he wanted us to um, be missionaries, go, go to the world and um, leave the little town of Montana and, and step out in faith and what he had. Good deal. And then where did you, where do you, you went from Montana to what country did you first serve in? So we first served in the country of Moldova. It's Republic of Moldova is in Eastern Europe. And um, it's the poorest country of all of Europe. And um, at one time, it was named the unhappiest country in the world. Wow. What a great name. <laughs> what a great label to carry. Yes, for sure. And, uh, and it, it certainly was an unhappy place. Lots of alcoholism, um, just lost. It was a former Soviet Republic. And sometimes I think back and think we landed there 10 years after the Soviet Union had left. And it was still very Soviet mindset. Not mm. much had changed at that point. And... Um, so we were there for 10 years and then um, went to Russia and yeah. we were in, lived in St. Petersburg, Russia, and Andy was area director for our movement in Russia at that time. Interesting. Interesting. So you made that transition from Montana to Moldova. Um, was that an easy transition for you? How did that go? You know, normally the podcast, we, we say we have transparent conversations with people who care about our listeners. Um, and so normally if we just tell all of our wins and how everything's great, that's, it's hard, sometimes hard to identify. But when people share maybe some challenges and their experiences, it helps us identify a little closer. And I've heard you share. Can you just share a little bit about that transition as a mother, as a leader, um, as a pastor from Montana to Moldova and what that looked like and some of the clarity you were able to find in the midst of, of that change and transition? Yeah. Um, oh, we went. So when we landed there, we had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And the one-year-old was, she was was and still is pretty easygoing and um and i mean she's one she's yeah. you know okay mom and dad where if you're here if you change my diaper and you're feeding me i'm good yeah you know? seven year old it was it was a lot more difficult for her um and and for me you know going into a place that all of a sudden i had to learn language i you know i felt like god had called me to missions when I was 12 years old. But my dad said to me, and I, I felt like it was really good advice, you marry a man, not a calling. Hmm. And um, he said, the character of the man is what matters. And um, and he said, and if, if, if that is what God has for you, he'll bring that together. And I was in my 30s when God brought that to me. And I, I did feel like at that point that God, God had to clarify my call and give it to me as an adult. It wasn't a 12 year old. And I, I believe what was real when I was 12, but I also believe that God had to really redo that. And I was comfortable in America. 
it was yeah. it was easy i didn't have to learn another language and those years of of learning another language and struggling through that um being a mom knowing you know you go to language study but you have to get home to your kids you have to get home to make dinner you know do laundry um clean up the house those kind of things all those things are there and and yet you're doing this and you're saying god what do you have for me in this you know why am i here too and i really went to moldova thinking okay i'm here to be a wife and mother that was what i felt like god had god had called me and i was there about two weeks and um, I met a Swedish woman who was the head of an anti-trafficking organization. And she said, what is the church going to do about this issue of trafficking? And I was like, yeah, the church ought to do something. Why doesn't the church do something? And then God <laughs> began to speak to me, well, you are the church. Yeah. What good. are you going to do? That's good. And then at that point, I really had to wrestle with the fact that, wait, I'm a mom. I have these little kids. Who's going to care for them? What's going what's to happen? What's going to be? And um, that was a big wrestling process for me. Hmm. Would you like me to talk about how I got clarity on that? How for I sure, that? for sure. That was going to be my next question. So, yeah, I um, I was really struggling and with it, and God began to speak to me, and He spoke to me through a book that a friend of mine had. I can't even tell you the name of the book because the author was angry and grouchy in her writing. You could see it even <laughs> at the end of the book. She said, you might think I'm a little grouchy here in the way I write this. And I'm thinking, well, maybe you should have rewritten it. So you weren't so grouchy. Yeah. But, um, but she said what she said really hit me deeply. And it was that if we think that our only ministry is our children, then we teach our children that they're the only thing that's important. Mm, that's good. But if we step out and take our kids along, or if we do ministry and bring our kids along, if we're involved in the church, if we're involved in the things God calls us to, our kids see that there's other people in the world. Yeah, that's good. And so, um, you know, I opened a home for women that were trafficked in prostitution, and I ran that home. I did not work there full time, but I also got a master's degree at the same time. I had a staff that I led. And my kids were a part of it. They yeah. came over to the home. We didn't shelter them from that. And I have three girls that have such remarkable hearts for the world, for broken people, for poverty, for, you know, they get it that all the world doesn't have just a nice little tidy, good home and um, their needs provided for and everything like that. And it really opened them up to you know what god would have but it was it, it was hard for me i had to really wrestle with god in that because that god you know what's going to happen to my kids yeah if i do this if i do this and that wrestling did that take are you talking was that like a week or was that a month or was that a few months or was that a few years what did that wrestling well, if process only look like? if only it was just a week <laughs> I, I didn't think it was probably a week but i you know i mean just maybe somebody's in a very no. similar situation that you are and um yeah. you know when we hear that when we sometimes when we get a snapshot of it we say we wrestle with might they you know just yeah if you just might just go a little deeper on the wrestling process yeah you know no i would say actually it's probably a couple of years okay and 
and that couple years came also too because as as a a woman well okay so i've recently heard this thing that women oftentimes will only take a job if they have if they think they can meet the job at 40 or 50 percent okay i mean 100 percent, 100 percent. men will say 40 to 50 percent yeah. oh i can do that job yeah and women say hundred percent. And I just, it actually, as I was talking to you, it just dawned on me. I was doing that. Yeah. I had 40 to 50% that I could do this job. Yeah. But I didn't think at hundred percent, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've got these kids. I've got all this. And so, and God was just saying, step in. And I had to get, and I, I felt a lot like Moses, Yeah. you know, with a lot of excuses and everything and just wrestling through. And it was prayer and it was um, time with God. And I would say it was probably like I had said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm, but I was still trying to find a back door. Yeah. And, um, and well, maybe some, maybe I'm just to have the idea and somebody else. And it was sitting with my journal, with my Bible every morning for about a year when God, when I, when I said, okay, I can do this. I can do this with God's help. That's good. I can walk in this. That's good. And what was Andy doing during this time? For for the husbands out there that are they're listening to this, and maybe their wife is in a similar situation, and they just don't know what to do. Um, the husbands don't. What what did Andy do? And what insight would you have for for a husband that that's wife is feel God's calling to a certain thing? And um, she's wrestling with that. What can, and maybe it's, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it doesn't need to be a husband or wife, but what would a spouse do to help be there for their spouse when they're wrestling in this type of situation? So, you know, Andy was awesome. He walked it with me and, um, you know, I went to him and I said, man, I think this is what God's saying. And he said, okay, let's explore it. So about three months later, um, because it was summer holidays in Europe and, and so people weren't around. So it took us about three months to meet up with this Swedish woman. He went to that meeting with me. He sat there. That's good. And, and talked about it. Um, he began to find the property and he's the one, he actually, we were partners with the Pentecostal Union there. And he's actually the one who went to the Pentecostal Union and said, this is what, and he said, we feel like we're doing. He mm. really knew this isn't going to be, in, in his thought, it wasn't going to be his ministry. He thought he was going to build the house and step away. Um, you asked what he was doing. He yeah. was leading our work. Yeah. Um, at that point, we were the only ones, but we were um, talking to other people and seeing, saying, hey, is God calling you to come work with us? And we had other people then at that point that began to come work with us. But at that time, we were it. Yeah. And... Um, and so he was building churches. We had teams that were coming. He was running with those teams when they were there. Um, we were mentoring a group of young pastors yeah. who really didn't have anyone walking beside him. So he was really doing the mentoring, but we would have them into our home and we would have a lunch together that um, at first, as we would do it, I would prepare that lunch and, and we would eat together and we would do a lesson together. Um, on some kind of leadership and we would ask their wives to come in too. Their wives are never invited to anything. So we modeled that your wife can come in. That's good. So he was really busy doing all that. Yeah. And then he said, okay, I'll also take on finding a property. Um, we knew we couldn't rent a place 
because in, in Moldova, the, the leasing laws, as soon as they found it would be some, used for a vulnerable population, they would take your, your lease from you. Hmm. So we needed to own a property. And um, we had gotten that from wisdom from friends who, um, from another missions organization who had done work with the vulnerable before and had tried to rent, yeah. tried and tried. And every time their lease would be before them and their lease would be pulled because, um, oh, you're working with vulnerable people. We're not letting you rent. We're not renting to you. Yeah. And they said, believe me, you can try to rent, but you're going to have contract after contract pulled out from under you yeah. when they know what you're doing with it. So he, he built the home, you know, and then we got it done. And to his surprise, um, he was involved. Yeah. Now, what he, how he was involved with, I was Dwamna Nancy, yeah. which in Romanian, like means you're the, the one we respect, not, not respect, and, but it's like, we have to give you honor. Yeah because the culture says we have to give you honor and we can't be familiar with you. You know, yeah. you get that in these, in these cultures. Um, to him, he was uncle Andy, you know, hmm. to, to all the women in the home, he was uncle Andy and what he did. And we had a few other men who did this. They came in the home and they modeled that men can be good to women. Cause well, many of these women had never seen a man who was good to him. And he just came in and he, he didn't try to approach them. Eventually, we always knew what the girls, when God had worked in their lives, and when they were healing, when they would walk up to him and give him hugs when he would come. That's awesome. But at first, you know, they would stay their distance and not yeah. talk to him and stuff yeah. like that. But he came in, he played with their kids. He, he just modeled being a godly man to them. That is and, awesome. Um, and we ended up walking it together. And so, yeah, he was so supportive in that so supportive and if this is what God is saying you know in that process I felt like I didn't have enough schooling I wasn't adequately prepared so I said I think I've got to go back and get my master's he said go for it I said I think I need to be licensed he said go for it licensing went to ordination he said go for it you know he was always there cheering me on yeah with all those processes that's great you know, I, one of the books I've read most recently that probably impacted me more than anything was Katie Cole's book, um, Developing Female Leaders. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I probably highlighted more of the book than is unhighlighted. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it, it made me realize I have a lot of um, a great book, a lot of blind spots um, and a lot of areas. And some of the, I, the one of the I just want to ask you a few things that I highlighted and just get your perspective on them. Um, she writes in, in one of the she said, women often worry because you were leading when you started that home, you were leading at a high level and you, you continue to lead at a high level. But she said, oftentimes women, when they be, when they begin to lead in different areas, they begin to worry and wonder about being a strong leader and still being authentic in their relationships. And she said, you know, men, that doesn't seem to be a struggle, but for, for female leaders, when they get in those areas, when they're leading at leading and leading at high levels, they begin to wonder, did you battle with that at all? Or was that something that naturally that was not something you worried about or were wondering about? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it, it isn't easy to be both authentic and strong. Hmm. And um, I think we don't often see authentic as strong. Mm -hmm. And especially as women, we have been taught often. I mean, I know men do it too. Um, 
so I'm not saying that, but I think as women, often when we feel as leaders, you know, we feel like we have to armor up. Yeah. And, um, I, and I've even heard women say things like, you know, do we always have to have such discussion that brings us to tears? Hmm. You know, and, and like, there's something wrong with that. Hmm. Or, um, you know, or, or just women saying, I don't like women's stuff. I don't like being in groups of women. Hmm. And that's a vulnerability issue. That's an authenticity issue. Yeah. And we often think that if we're strong, we can't have emotions or feel deeply. Hmm. And so it's like we say, you know, the reality is authenticity equals vulnerability. Yeah. But we think that vulnerability does not equal strength. Hmm. That's good. And, um, but, you know, authenticity in relationship comes from when we know where we are. Yeah. And vulnerability in relationship comes when we know who we are. It comes when we acknowledge that we've had hurts in our lives or traumas, yeah. whether they're big T traumas or little T traumas. A lot of us, I mean, I lived a lot of my life saying, well, I don't have any trauma in my life. I mean, I remember going to my first training in trauma care. Years ago, when we were doing this, we had a counselor that he came in to teach my staff, and I knew he was going to say, now let's deal with your traumas. He told me that. And I remember saying to Andy that morning, what kind of trauma have I had in my life? Yeah. I wasn't abused, yeah. you know? But the reality is, is we have so many things, because Satan wants to mark us. He wants to, he wants to hit us. And so there's so many ways that what God created us to be is marked. Yeah. And, and these little things come against us and they affect us and they affect how we see ourselves. They affect how we walk in a room. They affect what we do. And it was actually in working with broken, extremely broken women that I had to say, okay, I have things that broke me too. Yeah. That's and, good. and that I have to deal with. And um, so I've had to do a lot of inner work. I've had to do work with Jesus. I've had to do work with other people. Yeah. I've had to find healing. Um, and as I do that, I can be my true self. I yeah. can love like Jesus wants me to love. I can be okay with, you know what? I'm going to cry at that movie or I'm going to cry. If you tell me a story that moves me, I'm going to sit here and, and I'm going to break into tears and I'm okay with that. That's the authentic me. Yeah. But I can still be strong and lead a ministry. Yeah. You know, I can be soft to the people around me. I can be real with who I am. I can be honest with you in a conversation. But still know that that doesn't hurt who I am. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good stuff. And that's transparent conversations. And uh, I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your wisdom. And um, to share that and the work that you've done and continue to do. And um, it does provide perspective and it does provide insight for me. And um, I'm sure it provides, provides for, for our listeners. Another quote that she, she says in her book, she says, you know, the more men, um, the higher levels of leadership, when they are moving up in leadership, they become in quotations, more likable, you know, a guy that's a, a, a man, that's a leader, the higher he moves up, people theoretically like him more. However, she says in her research and in her leadership, it, it seems the opposite for women um, in the sense that the higher they move in leadership, they become in quotations socially and culturally less likable. Have you found that to be true? Um, and if, if you have found it to be true, how do you find clarity in that? 
Yeah. Um, I think it's a sad part of women in leadership and I wish it weren't true. I think there's a whole lot of um, stuff, that fancy word stuff around it. Um, <laughs> there's, and Katie, Katie might've wrote about this because it's really famous. I can't remember because it's been a while since I read her book, but there's a Harvard Business School. There's a Harvard Business School professor who he did an experiment. This was back in 2002. And there was a, there was somebody, her name was Heidi. I don't know what her last name was, but she was a business professional. And so he took her data about her. He gave one group Heidi. He changed one word, changed her to Howard in another group. Hmm. Howard was well-liked. Yeah. Howard was, was accepted while Howard was a great guy. Yeah. Heidi, she was just too much. She was yeah. too strong. She was pushy. She was yeah. power hungry. Hmm. Um, and it's a cultural mindset in and out of the church. Okay. And I think that, I think that often what happens, and it goes back to that question of authenticity and, and vulnerability, which I guess I took out authenticity to vulnerability, you know, and that armoring up, I think sometimes as women climb up um, in leadership, maybe sometimes they put on more armor, mm -hmm. they're a little more afraid of being vulnerable. And so maybe they do come across as harsher or whatever, mm -hmm. but I don't always think that's the case. I think sometimes that's just the way we see them. Yeah. And I see, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, I'd like your question, whatever you. No, my question was just going to be, do you perceive that more? You know, I'm a, a man. So my question is, do you see that equally amongst women, women that are, that are, more critical or towards women leaders or is that more coming from the male perspective where they're more critical because you talked about Heidi and Howard and um, yeah. he Heidi was he Howard was likable Heidi was not do you think that's equally between men and women that that when you change that name or do you think it's more the guys that make uh, Heidi unlikable or is that the females that maybe feel threatened that that she's in a level of leadership or just what's your experience that, you know, I guess that's what I'm just looking for. What's your experience? Yeah. I, I really think it's both. Mm -hmm. um, both men and women do it. With, and it's for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times men, I think still culturally we have this idea of what a woman should be. And I don't think it's just men. Um, I remember one time as a young pastor's wife, my mom said to me, she described to me the perfect pastor's wife. And it was the woman who had no opinion and she was quiet. Now, my mother was not a person without opinion. Yeah. Um, but to her, the perfect pastor's wife never said anything in a church business meeting, never said anything. All she did was, you know, shake hands nicely to people and stay on a really bland level. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying this to me, like I was having a phone and I was like shocked. And I said, well then mom, I guess I'm not the perfect pastor's wife to you, am I? Hmm. <laughs> and she didn't know what to say <laughs> because everything she was describing was not what I was. Yeah. And, um, and I think as women, when we walk into a room, confident of who we are, confident of what we have, other women can be intimidated by that. They can be jealous of that because they don't have it. Mm -hmm. yeah, envy is a problem with men and women. Envy is yeah. a problem for all of us. We yeah. have to face that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember a time 
my daughter said something about a pastor's wife and and I was like, well, she has the money to buy all those clothes and I don't. And and God immediately convicted me, you're yeah. jealous. Yeah. That's envy. Yeah. And I I repented to God and I repented to my daughter. Yeah. And God began to work that in me. But what I didn't realize is sometimes people are envious of me too. Yeah. From that ability to say, hey, I see there's a ministry to be done and I'm yeah. going to start it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to undertake it. You yeah. know, I have an ability to have um, amb- ambition and I don't want ambition it can be used as a nasty word, but really ambition is a good thing. I, I want to get up and I want to do it. I want to see it happen. I was a leader from an early age. Yeah. But sometimes people really struggle with that and struggle with, with seeing that. I also see that, um, you know, I'm, I've been able to see, have be in some situations where I see people um, you know, maybe make ne- negative rever- references to women mm-hmm. who have been on the field. And then I meet those women. I just realize they're just really strong leaders. Yeah. And we don't always like the strong leaders. Yeah. We don't, I, I don't know, for some reason, culturally, we still have the idea that men should be the one who lead and women should be the one who follows. Yeah. When that's not the case. Yeah. We should be walking this together. This is the day that God has called sons and daughters to walk it together, to get things done for the kingdom. Yeah. And the reality is my husband wasn't going to be called to minister to traffic women because he didn't see that. But that was something in my heart that I could see, but we walked it beautifully together and we ministered to the women together yeah. in That's different good. ways, in the ways That's that good. God has gifted us. I don't need to be like a man. Yeah in my strength. I don't need to, to be like, um, you know, I don't need to power up as a man. I need to use what God has given me and the feminine qualities that he's given me to minister. And then as we minister together, men and women, we bring the whole of God. Yeah. It's good to what he has. That's good. And that takes a lot of self-awareness on your part. You know, I mean, just to, you know, you said you had to check in the spirit when you, when that, when you saw the the pastor's wife and, you know, that takes a lot of, that's a lot of maturity and a lot of self-awareness. And I pray that, um, yeah, that we, we can all get there. And, um, but I think we can, we can at time, um, just the God and well, we pray we go ahead. Sorry. You know, it, it hasn't always been there, you yeah. know, and, and it hasn't always been perfect and I haven't always done it right. But I think the thing is, is that I've continued to move forward. Yeah. And that's what I would say. It's, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born this way. Right. I wasn't born. Okay. I was born a leader. I think I right. believe I was born a leader, but, but I did not do it right. I bowled over people, rolled over people a lot of times, but as God has taught me, and I have been willing to listen to him and have the self-awareness yeah. and continually learn yeah. and say, okay, God, I blew it on that place. How do I come back? How do I do it right the next time? Yeah. What did I do wrong? And, and listen to his voice. He's such a gentle teacher. He is. And you know, the other point that you, you know, as, as you've been talking, the thing that's really resonated with me too is, is the reality of 
you know, in, in missions and in ministry, we meet a lot of people. You know, we, we meet people. And I learned early on in missions, a lot of people have opinions, but very few people have facts. And just the idea that <laughs> the idea that when we meet somebody, not to carry somebody else's opinions of that person into that conversation, because mm-hmm. we're into that meeting, because what you're saying is you've grown, you've, you've, you've matured, you've become more self-aware. And if I carry my opinions of maybe 20 years ago into that, that's, that's unfair. And honestly, it's unchristlike. And, um, right. you know, I've had to repent of that um, more times than I would like to admit. But I think in missions, it, it can it can we can really put ourselves in a corner if we carry everybody's opinions into relationships and not allow one, not allow the other person the the opportunity to grow and um, allow them to, to grow and allow the Holy Spirit to work in them and also to work in us. And uh, so anyway, oh, true. Yeah, sorry, I'm, so I'm not true. I'm not supposed to be talking. This is that's, supposed to be about you. It's but, okay. That's gold right there. Uh, that but is it's gold. but it's uh, <laughs> but in the process. Um, thinking about you know when we got on here, we, we were talking about different seasons of life. The season of life you're mm-hmm. in, you talked about you have a daughter who's married. Um, you have a daughter in college. You, you have a daughter at home. How are you? How are you finding? You're leading at a high level. You and Andy are leading at a high level. How? Are you finding clarity in this season with, you know, you're, you got a lot going on and you have a daughter at home and a lot of things pulling at you to travel here and go there. How are you putting boundaries in place? And in this season of life, how are you finding clarity and what's important for you in this season? Yeah, that's been a long process. (laughs) And um, it's true in this season of life. um, But I would take back this season if I can. I want to take it back to about um, seven, eight years ago. And we were home that year for itineration. And it was um, it was a tough year for my kids. Mm-hmm. I had a 10th grader, a 6th grader, and a 4th grader. Um, the 10th grader really didn't have friends at school. People mm-hmm. couldn't accept her TCK ways in the small town. Mm-hmm. Um, the 6th grader was bullied. Mm-hmm and um, regularly and um, I did go into the school and talk to them about it but you know it was a little girl who she had her own stuff yeah fourth grader yeah she did okay yeah but um, it was really at that point I knew that I had to cut back on Mm -hmm. things Andy was we chose to give our kids one year of being in the same church they didn't like to be the new kid at church every every week and and um so Andy was traveling. He did most of our itineration speaking. I stayed with the kids. And it was in that year that the kids one day, they were, the girls were complaining, you know, and I said, hey, this is dad's work. Yeah. And, and we're not going to complain about it. We're going to do what we need. And um, so at, in that year, I had some trips that I had, I was supposed to go on and I canceled a few of them and did a couple things with him. I think once a month we traveled with him. And um, just really made a change. Well, that set up the next year we were at the area directors. Mm-hmm. And um, he ended up traveling more. And I knew that we had kids at home and they were my ministry mm-hmm. at that point. Now, that doesn't mean I stopped doing anything else. Because right. I have done a lot of other things in that, in that time. But um, I know that, you know, if, if I'm so busy with other things, yeah. And I can't be there for them. That's so, 
man, we, we route around, we, at the beginning of the year, and we've done this for the last several years, we find out when are the concerts, we put them on the calendar yeah, and good. we don't travel during that time. When are, when are the big things that are at school? Um, mm-hmm. Next week, I'm, I'm going on a field trip with my daughter. It's an overnight field trip for, for her with her senior um, history class. And she had asked me early on, I don't, she's had this idea for years. She wanted her mom to be a chaperone on a field trip. That's great. And this is her last and only opportunity. So yeah, she asked her teacher, good. could my mom go as a chaperone? And I said, yes. So I made sure yeah. that nothing was going to come yeah. in my life that was going to, you know, clog that and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm doing a bus trip, overnight trip with a class. <laughs> that should be interesting. Good, good for you. Good um, for you. But the other thing Andy and I have really tried to do is um, make sure we're not traveling at the same time. Sometimes we have to. Last week oh. we were gone together. That was, you know, yeah. I had to be gone with him. Yeah. But we try not to. And, um, you know, our daughter, who's a senior, is 18. Yeah. But I still try to find somebody of an adult MK who yeah. she stays with her sometimes yeah. and another adult single friend who sometimes she'll come stay with Lauren. Yeah. That's so, good. um, you know, we try to make sure somebody's with her. Yeah. And at least so that she's not going to bed at night by yeah. herself and cooking dinner by herself and yeah. stuff like that. But um we're also we really sit down and we look at schedules and we talk about it and we're when do I have to be gone? I've, I'm in a third year of a certificate program or the third year of a certificate program. It's been year by year, but every year then we block off those times and we know, okay, Nancy's going to be gone. And yeah. Andy tries not to be gone. It doesn't always work. And if it doesn't work, then somebody else is there with her. But right. um, it is, it's always a challenge, but it started, you know, four years ago and, or not four years ago, seven, eight years ago, we were itinerating. And one thing I want to say is that I looked at the girls and said, we're not going to complain. And I realized my daughters are going to have my attitude. Hmm, My attitude's bad. That's good. To my husband's work, our schedule, whatever their attitudes will be bad. If my attitude stays right and stays positive and not fake positive, but really, you know, this is the life God has for us. If my attitude stays good, their attitude will be good. Yeah, that's good. That's, that is, that's, that's some good, good stuff there, Nancy. Nancy, would you, what is something, um, we'll end with this last question. What are you excited about? What's, it could be personally, it could be professionally, it could be ministry wise. What's something that you're just, when you think about it right now for the future is just putting joy in your heart and you're excited about? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> yeah, it is, but there's got to be something. It, it might be Andy's no. ice cream. I don't know what it is, but um. No, but, no, I am lactose intolerant. And two <laughs> bites of Andy's ice cream, and I am sicker than a dog. Okay, so well, I stay away from Andy's ice cream. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited just about. Yes, we just talked about the seasonal life. I'm excited about the seasonal life. Lauren graduates in three months, six months. She is, you know, we'll be moving her into a dorm six months from now. We're not quite sure where that is yet, but we'll be moving her into a dorm in six months from now. And and I just know that um, there's a lot of excitement with that because there's so much possibility in that. Yeah. And I have spent, um, as I said, I've done the certificate 
program in trauma care. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's a lot of opportunities that, as I said, because of the last um, six, seven years, I've said, you know, my primary job, even though I'm doing a lot of other things, my primary job is to be there for my girls. Yeah. And all that. Well, I know they're going to be gone. And there's, there's a part of that that's hard because it's like, okay, they're going to be gone. But yeah, then at the other point, I'll have a lot of freedom yeah, because do. I don't have to think who's going to stay with my daughter. That's right. You know, or am I going to leave her or whatever? And yeah. so I feel like I can say yes to um, more opportunities. I can say yes to the thing that things that God is saying. I can um, listen to him and I can respond. And um, that excites me. Yeah, that's good. Um, because it's going to be a different season of life where, okay, I'm still going to need to go visit my kids at the colleges and my one in Alaska, Yeah, <laughs> which she might as well be in Europe. It'd be easier to get to Europe than where she's at in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long um, way away. It's a long way. And you get up there and then you got to take another flight to where she's at. So. <laughs> Oh my! But um, I'm just excited about the possibilities of what God has ahead and yeah. in the years ahead. I just think God is so good, and He just—if we continue to say yes to Him, He's yeah. delighted in that. Yeah. And He continues to open doors and take us and let us walk to places that we wouldn't have even known. Yeah, that's great. Possible. That's great, Nancy. Will you take a minute and just pray for the listeners today? And you can pray how whatever direction you would like to to pray. But just pray for the listeners that the things that you have shared, the insight and wisdom you've shared today, will um, not just be knowledge that they've gained, but things that they put into action. And God will speak to them wherever they're at today. I will. Father, I thank you for um, your heart, your heart for the world. God, that you have each of us here in these places, various places, Lord God, serving you, getting to be your hands and feet to the world around us, getting to show Jesus to those around us. God, I pray that those you're speaking to about stepping into a place of ministry and they're just not sure might think they're not qualified. They might think they have too many obstacles. The kids are too young. Um, just the barriers are too great. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help them to step out in faith and know, Lord God, that you're leading and you're guiding, that you're taking them where they need to go. Oh, God, I pray for um, just those that are trying to figure out how, as husband and wife, they balance life together and ministry together and the things that you're calling each of them to. God, I pray that you'd help them to walk in that, that you'd help them, God, to know um, the things that you have for them as couples. Lord, I pray for the singles who are, are walking this alone and maybe they're not dealing with kids and they're not dealing with, with a spouse and those kind of things, but Lord, they have their own challenges there and they're still wondering how do i step into these things what do i do where do i go how do i find clarity what when do i know if i should do more education or seek credentials or whatever lord god i pray that you would lead and guide them and lord i pray that overall you would help us lord to do your work do your mission lord 
that we would bring people to you and draw people to you, Lord Jesus, that they would know you and that they would grow in you and be discipled in you and that they would walk in you all the days of their life. I thank you, God, that you allow us to be this for you and to have the privilege, Lord God, to serve you in the places we do. Use us, we pray. Continue to use us, Lord God, and speak to our hearts in a greater way, Lord Jesus. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. Well, I know you wouldn't be disappointed with our time as we sat down with Nancy and learned from her on leadership intelligence and her life and experience um, serving, and um, it was valuable. You know, the, one of the key points I took home from that was how our attitude, what we model to our children, um, is the attitude that they will have and how the, our kids pick up on our attitude very, very quickly and the importance of, as leaders in our home, um, our attitude towards church, our attitude towards ministry, that our kids are going to pick up for that on that and go. Also, I thought it was just a fascinating story about the opening up of the ministry center and how she was praying strategically about that and um, how God used them in that way and and, in a specific time, a specific purpose, and knowing and knowing, knowing, knowing that that was what God had for them at that time. And so I think I listen to podcasts for multiplicity of reasons, but one thing I want to do is when I listen to a podcast is what can I take home? What can I, what can I put in practice today? And I think Nancy provided a a plethora of different areas that we could put into action into our life um, from her wisdom and insight that she shared with us today. So we want to thank Nancy for being with us today on the Clarity Podcast, and thanks for her sharing her wisdom and insight. Just want to take a a minute just to thank our sponsors, agwmafrica.org, agwmafrica.org, for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you could do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org and by Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology and sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com and by Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland, caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle, and by Sean Ricker at Cumberland Optical, Optical Advanced Care and Friendly Service, and by Wes and Peggy Reed, Collaborators in Life and Mission. Until next time.